So it's 2019. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon earbuds start off at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing. The company was actually co-founded by Ray J, and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Melissa Etheridge, Cardi B, Brandy, J.R. Smith, and more are already obsessed. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable and so easy to take anywhere. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet, with no dangling wires or stems. And of course, they don't just look great, they sound great too. And they're perfect for listening to all your favorite iHeartRadio podcasts on the go. Raycon offers their wireless earbuds for everyone in a range of fun colors and at an unbeatable price. So go to buyraycon.com slash iHeart to get 20% off your order. That's buyraycon.com slash iHeart for 20% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. One more time, buyraycon.com slash iHeart. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Rashawn McDonald. Money-Making Conversations. Welcome to Money-Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. Let's talk about this show today. It's always a great show. Always great to have you listening to my show. Each Money-Making Conversations show is about entrepreneurship and entertainment. I provide the consumer and business owner access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. They, in turn, deliver information about career planning, motivation, financial literacy, and how they lead a balanced life. Or today... On Money Making Conversation, Erica Ash, former co-star of one of my favorite shows that has been canceled, star Survivor's Remorse. Now she's starring, nope, she's a girl who's going to keep working, because now she's starring on BET's In Contempt, and will be in this summer's upcoming Lionsgate movie, Uncle Drew. That's the one with Kyrie Irving. Laura Foods, that's my girl out of D.C., owner and licensed tax practitioner of Foods Financial Services, LLC, Texas. All year long. People just think taxes is just February 15th uh, for corporations, March 15th for corporations, April 15th. No. Taxes are year-round. I'll be working on my taxes year-round. Just want to let you guys know that it's not. That's why I got on the show today to talk about that. Financial planning, things like that, how to set aside things. Shamari Wills, Morehouse grad, author, Black Fortunes, the story of the first six African-Americans who escaped slavery and became millionaires. That, to me, is such an unbelievable story. So let's, that I want to hear for the truth. And I got the truth here. My next guest received his undergraduate degree from Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia. He's a journalist, writer, and Emmy-winning TV producer. He has worked for CNN and Good Morning America. He's the author of Black Fortunes. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Samari Wills. Hey, Rashad, I appreciate the uh, kind introduction. <laughs> I'm so happy happy to be on your show. It's an honor. Hey, man, I hope, I hope I'm the I, – I know your show, your book been getting out there, been getting great reviews, and you, you, you're broadcasting live here in Atlanta. Of course, you'll be heard on iHeartRadio podcast and uh, Sirius XM 141 and 142 HBCU campus because I really, I really want to make sure the HBC, HBCU campuses get this message because it really is uh, it's something about – because it's about entrepreneurship, and that's that millennial generation – 
is talking about that's what they want to be. And to hear about uh, people who can over, talk about overcoming the odds, overcoming a, a slavery, overcoming racism, overcoming Jim Crow laws. How did you, when you started getting into this, let's give everybody your backstory on what got you started and saying this is a book I should be engaged with. So, you know, not to be too long-winded, but I started out Tell your story. Tell your story now. Tell your story. <laughs> I started out in journalism in New York at uh, the New York Carib News, which is like the um, yes, sir. newspaper for, for the Caribbean community in New York. Mm -hmm. And I was in Jamaica for, uh, for a little while doing some reporting. And I happened to visit this place called uh, Devon House, which, you know, is a, this mansion, this incredible mansion that has a restaurant and an ice cream mm -hmm. shop. At it, and you know everybody's like, you gotta go. The ice cream is really good. So, <laughs> you know, I went there, and you know, it's also the house of the first black millionaire uh, in Jamaica that they've kind of repurposed as an ice cream shop and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So I just I just went on the tour of the mansion. They told me this guy's story. You know, he was a carpenter on a ship. You know, in the 1840s, shipwrecked. He, uh, you know, this is right off the coast of Venezuela. He swam to the coast and found a gold mine. Uh, and became a millionaire. So after, you know, you know, finding out about him and just his incredible story and all the things he did with his wealth, I actually thought about writing a book about him. Right. You know, you know, life, life, life goes on. I had to come back to the States. Unfortunately, I couldn't stay in Jamaica forever. So um, what, I, what I did is I, I, I kind of adapted that idea, and I started looking at uh, African-American millionaires here, and I really wanted to tell uh, the stories of the very first because most folks don't even know, you know, who they are. Well, I definitely all the one I knew was Madam C.J. Walker that you that you cover in this book, because, you know, Black History Month, they always bring up, you know, she started basically hair care products and she made her wealth uh, through that. And so when you when you when you talk about her, I love the fact that you said she was the only one that really, you know, flaunted her wealth. You know, she bought the car, she bought the ring, she bought the house, and she wore the clothes, you know. So why do you think that she chose that path of saying, hey, I'm making this money, and I'm going to live the lifestyle of what, I, uh, what I'm making? Um, you know, I think that was always her claim to fame, you know, that, you know, she kind of lived, you know, a really ostentatious lifestyle. She wasn't the first, you know, person, you know, she wasn't really the black high, hair pioneer a lot of folks think she she was. There's another uh, woman named Annie Malone uh, mm -hmm. who also was a black millionaire who she worked for, and right, um, you, right, know, right. You, you know you know they kind of had a competition thing. It's very controversial, um, you know, because her products were basically the same as Annie Malone's uh, when she went out on her own. Um, but you know she you know just was you know coming out of the Jim Crow era, you know, in the early 1900s, and you know black folks were starting to. Uh, you know, feel like maybe it was okay to show off some of what we had, and she just kind of took it to the next level. She spent a lot of money, uh, you know, she shopped on Fifth Avenue, um, you know, so everybody knew about her wealth as opposed to the folks who came before her who had to worry about lynchings and, you know, had to worry about all sorts of, you know, bad things happening to them, so they, they were a little bit more in the cut. Yeah. Let me let me just set the stage here because I want people to understand exactly what we're talking about. Because we read, we read about today's black millionaires, Oprah Winfrey, Michael Jordan, Tyler Perry, Kevin Hart, and many more in the sports and entertainment industry. But your book tells the story about this country's first black millionaires, some of them born in the first half of the 19th century, decades before the Emancipation Proclamation. I think that that's important that people understand that these people were out there being um, industrious in an era where, you know, 
you were supposed to stay in your place. Lynching was just a norm. Uh, I, 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 and I want to talk about you. You talked about six people in the book. Well, you talked about more, but six people really were identified in Mary Ellen Pleasant, uh, Robert Reed Church, Hannah Elias, uh, and Annie Turnbull, Turnbull Malone. Then we had O.W. Gurley and we had uh, Madam C.J. Walker. I want to talk about each one of them a little bit. I'm not, I don't want to give away the book, but I thought it was important that you put your spin on why each one was significant and why you chose to follow their story. And let's start with Mary Ellen Pleasant, you know, who contributed a lot, uh, a lot of money and almost went broke when she tried to uh, further the cause of abolitionist John Brown. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, she actually did end up going broke. I mean, she had an incredible story. story. Mm -hmm. So she was born free in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, in Philadelphia. She grew up in Massachusetts right. on the island of Nantucket, which was like all the big whaling boom was going on, all the Moby Dick sort of stuff with Ahab and mm -hmm. trying to catch whales and become rich that way. She grew up in that. And so Nantucket was a boom town uh, because whaling was really, really, really profitable. Um, when she reached womanhood, she ended up going to San Francisco during the gold rush, um, you know, because folks were making a lot of money out there. And, you know, she kind of, you know, miraculously, she kind of knew what to do when she got there because she had grown up in a boom town. Like Nantucket, so which is right, Nantucket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it was just booming. So, you know, well oil, you know, which was like the, you know, petroleum was like the gasoline of, of mm -hmm. that era, mm -hmm. uh, was, was like the second or third most profitable business in, in America at the time. So, you know, she knew what it was like to be in a booming area and, you know, how to make money. And so what she did is she went about providing services to the miners. She didn't try to, of course, go mine gold herself. She uh, opened, uh, you know, uh, boarding houses. She became a money lender. Uh, she <laughs> traded in silver. She just had her thing, her hands in everything in California, in San Francisco. But she, but she stayed behind uh, the scene, problem. though. She stayed behind the yeah, scene. She, she stayed behind the scenes. You know, she, she, she was active. But, you know, she always, you know, worked with men. You know, a lot of times worked with, you know, Caucasians. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of folks did not know that she was necessarily the one, you know, sort of uh, with the money uh, and, you know, with the insights. So she made a lot of money and, you know, she ended up in 1858, you know, having a meeting with John Brown, uh, you know, the revolutionary started to try to, try mm -hmm. to start a slave revolt in America. And she gave him $45,000. Um, you know, so he, he started his slave revolt at Harper's Ferry, mm -hmm. which failed, of course. Right. And uh, after that happened, you know, folks started trying to track down everybody who was associated um, with it, mm -hmm. who, 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 who was associated with her. So she went into, uh, you know, she went into hiding, mm -hmm. uh, you know, she basically, you know, broke or didn't have access to any of her money at that point. And she, but she made a comeback, though. <laughs> yeah, she made a comeback. They were always visionaries. They were all forward-thinking people. They were all people who saw an opportunity and they jumped on it. They didn't they, and capitalized on it. And I think that is the story that that I feel that if you're an entrepreneur, and this book is about entrepreneurship, and I feel people should read it if you're thinking about if you're in if you're a small business owner or. Or a Fortune 500 company. I feel you should read this book because of the fact that it allows you to understand how you can win against all odds. That's the biggest takeaway I I got from your book, Wills. I appreciate that. You know, I mean, and I think people always ask me like, what is you know this book takes place so long in the past? You know, how does it apply to business people now? And I think the trait that these folks had is that they they were visionaries, with, like you said, and they weren't necessarily looking to go into traditional 
businesses or, you know, businesses that black people had gone into before, you know, like restaurant owning or grocery stores or catering, which were the biggest businesses for black people at the time. Um, they were looking at high growth, you know, high risk, high reward industries, you know, the gold rush, you know, uh, becoming a real estate owner in a rebuilding, you know, Southern city, uh, building a town. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the characters in mind did Annie Malone. She built the black hair business when there was no such thing. Mm -hmm. And so they were not looking at, you know, what's the traditional business for people to go into. They were looking at for big opportunities. They were trying to, they were really on the cutting edge for their time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's something that applies today with tech and artificial intelligence and, mm -hmm. you know, biotechnology uh, you, you know, it would be great to see more black folks trying to be on, you know, the cutting edge, you know, taking inspiration, you know, from these folks because we're really underrepresented in a lot of those areas. Well, I had this same conversation with Lanier Richardson. He's the, uh, over at the Rutgers School of Business. He was saying the same thing, you know, the drones, um, auto, you know, automatic cars, uh, just not going to the traditional restaurant, car wash, the services that we tend to fall into on a regular basis. There are so many, uh, you know, artificial intelligence. Uh, there's so many levels of uh, the STEM programs that we need to be rushing into because of the fact that technology is not going anywhere. But I want to just let you know that uh, your book, Black Fortunes, the story of the first six African-Americans who escaped slavery and became millionaires, is an amazing book. It is a must-read book. I've enjoyed it. It also has pictures. The thing I loved about the book is just how you allowed the stories to be told. You just didn't do a chapter completely about the story. You showed how they kind of like, they kind of crossed paths, and I thought that was really impressive, Mr. Wills. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. If you want to buy this book, go to Amazon. Just, just type in Black Fortunes. It'll pop right up, and it should give you a short bio about the book and uh, let you understand you're about to read something very significant. You keep up the great work, my friend. I hope we run path, run, cross paths in the future. Me too. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Bye-bye. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. As host of Money Making Conversations, Rashawn McDonald is uniquely positioned to provide a step-by-step, easy-to-understand blueprint that drives listeners to realize their dreams and aspirations. Until you do the business plan or incorporate or actually create that product right. or start selling products, the universe doesn't have to deal with you. Money Making Conversations is an innovative platform that delivers financial literacy to help everyone with their brand success. It's good to have a Money Making Conversation with somebody that make money. <laughs> usually... Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald. How you doing? This is Rashawn McDonald. You're listening to Money Making Conversations. I got an in-studio guest. Good friend. Met him in the lobby a couple of months ago. I said, hey, I want to have you on my show. And he's showing up looking really snazzy with his Chick-fil-A button on and that Chick-fil-A red, which I know very familiar. I'm very familiar with because guess what? I have the app. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> my next guest began his leadership journey as a chicken farmer. Attended the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, served as an Army Ranger instructor and a college pastor. But none of this adequately prepared him for the challenge of leading a team of 100 young adults when he became a Chick-fil-A franchisee in 2008. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation the author of Leader Farming, Zach Thomas. It's an honor and a pleasure. I appreciate it. I wanted everybody to hear your background because yes, I thought it was important when I read the book for people to know why you were a certain way and why you realized you had to change. Because, you know, when you go into Chick-fil-A, and I go in a lot. Yes, sir. And I, it's, it's always crowded. 
And that's a good thing. That means you're, you're, you're into a franchise that generates uh, traffic. Mm-hmm. But it also means that what happens behind the counter also is a major reason for the success story behind the Chick-fil-A. Yes, sir. Uh, before we get started in detail, I want everybody to know this, that this book, what I like, is really a book about employing millennials and centennials. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what a millennial is, as a person born between 1979 and 1996, my daughter, she's a centennial because she was born in 1987. <laughs> so so you write in line. You're talking to my daughter right now. Yes, and so, and you're Gen X, which is born uh, 69 to 78. So I wanted to put all that in because that's that's important in the book to know that here's a guy, you was an you was uh, individual who had this military changing, conservative-type tones in your lifestyle, coming in, these, these young people mm-hmm. that say you're hired, but they already think they can take your job. Absolutely. Tell us, walk us through those steps. Zach. Yes, sir. Well, so again, like you mentioned, I came from a military background and um, my leadership style was, you know, you just make people do push ups until their arms fall off or, or cry for their mother, you know, and, and so just creating that that fear in them. Um, and, and unfortunately, that that didn't work very well with millennials and centennials. Um, <laughs> You know, why, and, why, and, why? Let's say why. Well, you know, so so I'll tell you about a little bit about the transition. Yes, so I, I explain it like a pendulum effect. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was all the way over to the far left, you mm-hmm. know, with my leadership style mm-hmm. and uh, and fear based, uh, fear based leadership. Mm-hmm. And then when I, I came off active duty into the army, um, was planning on going back in the army as a chaplain, went mm-hmm. into a pastor mm-hmm. uh, as a college and singles pastor. And I, I shifted all the way over to the far right and I became this somewhat passive leader mm-hmm. and then when I came on board because I was I was just I didn't want to be that guy anymore I mm-hmm. didn't want to be that person that just you know put the fear of God figuratively in in people mm-hmm. and uh and so I, I shifted a hard hard right and um and I began to um to just really adopt a philosophy if you just love everybody enough they'll do the right thing right well when I came on board with Chick-fil-a that didn't go over very well either. What do you mean it didn't go over? This is nothing negative. We're talking about management styles. We're talking about motivating young minds that dominate their workforce. Yes, sir. And also dominating the workforce moving forward. Yes, sir. And so with that being said, we're talking about millennials and we're talking mm-hmm. about centennials. And we're talking millennials really get bashed a lot. Yes, sir. There's a lot of negative you know, they, 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 how do you motivate their minds? You know, they have this entrepreneurship spirit. They, they want to run the company before they work for the company. They don't even foresee the whole aspect of retirement is not even part of their mantra. They definitely, because you mentioned that uh, the idea of a, working for a company for 30 years is a, is a thing a, of the past. Thing of the past. Yes, because they're willing to move around. With that type of approach, what was the light bulb? What was the light bulb, Zach? Well, honestly, I got hit by a car. I saw that. Um, I read that. Like walking across the yeah, street. <laughs> I did. Uh, so, and not that you know everybody has to get hit by a car, but I was pretty stubborn. I don't want to get hit by a car. <laughs> so I was pedestrian walking across the street. Got hit by a car, and and um, spent a lot of time just thinking about my mm-hmm. leadership style mm-hmm. and, and how I was leading people. And mm-hmm. you know, for me, again, I'd I'd been on both ends of the extreme, mm-hmm. and found that neither one was working very well. Mm-hmm. And you know, some days I would come in, and and I would be you know like Doctor Jack. Mr. Hyde. They didn't know which Zach they were going to get today. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was just knee jerking in my leadership style back and forth. And I had to be consistent. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, millennials are really looking for someone that's authentic, someone right. that's consistent, mm-hmm. someone that is who they say they are and they'll do what they say they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not leading out of fear, mm-hmm. but also giving them some structure. Because I think that what we're dealing with with millennials is a lot of failed parenting strategies, unfortunately. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been coddled um, and, and they get a trophy like for just showing up. Parents. Helicopter parents. <laughs> you know, now it's more like the Apache helicopter parent. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Swoop in and yeah. take them away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so yeah, so just just that uh, learning how to to really help them grow up mm-hmm. uh, in some of the places where their parents failed yeah. to help them grow up. The thing about it is that I when I was reading the book that you wrote uh, called Leader Farming, is by Zach Thomas. Uh, you're a Chick Fil A franchise franchisee, yes, sir. And uh, you built that model uh, yes, while you were there. Uh, you basically you built on a successful model mm-hmm. by the fact that you said, look. If you're going to hire these entrepreneurs, these young people with this entrepreneurship mm-hmm. mentality, which are centennials and millennials, right. how do you communicate? Because you talked about you went into that with your traditional way. If, you, if somebody didn't work out, you fired them. Right. And you hired somebody else. But then your work staff saw that's how you treated right. people right. That, didn't, that didn't match your mentality or right. didn't match your work plan. And that was important for you to have that you saw that the light. That's, these are the light bulbs I'm talking about mm-hmm. because I was that type of guy. And I and I would tell you this is that when, when I made that shift, it was when I, I when my life became comfortable. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you you operate out of fear or that control and mm-hmm. command philosophy that you talked about when you don't trust mm-hmm. the environment that you're in. Yes, am, am I correct yes, in sir. saying that? Absolutely. Okay. And yes, what sir. did you trust? What well, was it about you or the environment? Well, you know, I think a lot of what uh, the reason why people lead a certain way is one, it's for their own insecurities. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And I think also they want to try to control things, but mm-hmm. it's really kind of a myth of control. Mm-hmm. And so what I realized somewhere along the way was that, like you said, the millennials are very entrepreneurial in their, mm-hmm. in their spirit. Mm-hmm. And so if I create this kind of a brand within a brand yes, sir. that says I'm about helping you grow and become the best version of yourself. Right. And so, you know, the, 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 the small statement that I use to just kind of describe my, my leadership philosophy now is I say some people grow potatoes, some farmers grow <laughs> corn, I grow leaders. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And so it attracts talent. Right. And, you know, we're, we're in an incredible what we call war for talent right now, mm-hmm. and we're all competing for, for great talent uh, and trying to get millennials to, to stick around and, and, um, and actually serve in our organizations. But... I think it's very counterintuitive, but what I've decided to do is em- embrace this idea of turnover. Just mm-hmm. it, say, you know, I want to help you for a season, mm-hmm. you know, and if mm-hmm. that's six mm-hmm. months or two years or mm-hmm. whatever, I'm going to embrace this and I'm going to help you get to where you want to be in life. Mm-hmm. And then they, in turn, actually leave a trail of high performance in my organization. We well, you know it's really interesting you say that because uh, I've always had that philosophy. I always tell people, uh, don't expect to get rich with me. Mm-hmm. I want to prepare you for your next career, and you take the tools. And a lot of times they didn't get it. Mm-hmm. They didn't see the value of what I was putting in place. And now I get phone calls, thank you, I understand now. Yes, sir. I see what you're trying to accomplish in my life. So you're saying that you work for Chick-fil-A, but you look at, that's not the goal in our relationship. Our relationship is to take the values that I'm teaching you here mm-hmm. and use them someplace else. If you happen to become a franchisee, which has happened right. under your leadership, absolutely, that's awesome. That's a, that's the double blessing. Mm-hmm. But if you don't take these tools, what are some of the if you some of the tools that you say they they that you give them to walk away with? What are some of the tools? So one is is really helping them adopt a similar leadership philosophy that I yes, have, sir. helping them see that you don't have to lead out of fear, mm-hmm. um, but you 
actually have to hold people accountable. You can't just be a passive leader either. Mm -hmm. And so helping them find, you know, the, the actual middle ground of leadership to where they can actually love people. Right. But sometimes you may just have to put your arm around them and say, I love you. I right. care about you, but mm-hmm. you can't work here anymore. Right. And here's, and here's why. <laughs> I've said you know? that. I've said absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Eased him out the door yeah. with love. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because a lot and of people so. do just jobs for, for the check. Yeah, and that's sure. the worst employee to have. It's just coming to work to pay for the rent. You have to have employees of people who believe in your brand, people who champion your cause. And that's what I took away from your book. You're about creating people who, when they walk to work, when they come to work, they're thinking about what they're going to do to make their day, their employer better, mm-hmm. to make the environment better. And that's the philosophy I took away from your book. You're encouraging genuine enthusiasm yes, for the work environment. Yes, and that's really important. That was, And I want the people to understand that when I read the book, you know, uh, I want to definitely bring out the young man that wrote the book with you. He's a millennial. He is. Uh, yeah. Mr. Stump. Jared I'm going to call him Mr. Stump. So why did you choose him? So Jared uh, was a publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were in the process of negotiating the book contract. Uh-huh. And there's, you know, one price if if he helps you write the right. book. <laughs> and then there's one price. And so that's really kind of how it started. But mm-hmm. then we realized along the way, like, he's a millennial. And right. he thinks this way. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to really kind of go mm-hmm. back and forth a little bit uh-huh. uh, through the content. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm actually hiring these folks. Um, and and now really you know hiring centennials, but we're just on the on the beginning of that. Right. But, but yeah, it was just a great mix for him to actually add value into the book. So you took some away from him, and he took some away from you, and Absolutely. you had a middle ground. Absolutely. And the number one goal was to give us a a, a learning a, a tool to yes, be able sir. to communicate with a with a with a with a group out there that says uh, that's misunderstood. Yes, I have to say it because I, you know, I always tell people, you know. When I was growing up, I'm pretty sure people thought I was misunderstood. I was too aggressive. But each generation has their own. But you have to admit that you can only be successful if you change. And that's what this book is about. Absolutely. Leadership has to see there's necessary change for different people that you're working with. In other words, you shape the opportunity individually, not as a group. Correct? Yes, sir. Absolutely. So breaking it down, you know, we talk about farming in the book, mm-hmm. F-A-R-M. So freedom leading is just mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. middle ground of leadership, not mm-hmm. being command and control and not mm-hmm. being passive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the A is for uh, uh, acknowledging the seasons and embracing turnover. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's this idea of embracing turnover, acknowledging that some people will be with me for a season mm-hmm. and some people will will stay with me longer. And But just acknowledging that and accepting that, um, taking risk, you know, Hiring millennials is actually taking a risk sometimes. You know, you're actually sticking your neck out there and saying, "Well, I'm, I think that it's just hiring anybody." Yeah, you know, it is. I think, but I think that because of the fact that you've chosen and understood that these are different thinkers, absolutely, that's a very important. I know we only have you for one break today. Uh, I, I want to bring you back next month, one yes, uh, for two breaks, because I really feel is important because I broadcast on HBCU campuses throughout the country on Sirius uh, Channel 142. They need to hear and understand that there's a plan and the more people understand that the leader farming, which you can get on Amazon, type in leader farming, Zach Thomas, you're amazing. Uh, You look good in your Chick-fil-A. And um, can you come back next month? Would love to. Two breaks? Yes, sir. Thank you. Great. Thanks, sir. (laughs) In studio. Yes, sir. Coming back with more money-making conversations. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com and follow Money Making Conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's time you stop thinking about your dreams and put some plans into action. Hey, this is Tasha Evans, and I love to eat at great restaurants. And more than that, I love great desserts. So does Rashawn McDonald. Check out his new website. That's www.rashawnmcdonald.com. That's R-U-S-H-I-O-N, and McDonald is spelled just like the famous restaurant chain. Guys, Rashawn is looking for great bakers for his baker spotlight. He wants to brag on his fans for their incredible baking skills on his social media and website. That can be your mom, friend, coworker, or relative. Spread the word today. Visit RashawnMcDonald.com. Hi there, Rashawn McDonald back, and you're listening to Money Making Conversations. My next guest is my favorite guest, the owner of FOOS, that's F-O-O-S, Financial Services, LLC, provides tax preparation services for individuals and small businesses small businesses all year long. She is a host of a show that she said I inspired her to do, a weekly Tax Tip Tuesday where she shares tax tips and other financial education tips to live viewers on her Facebook and Instagram pages, as well as answers questions from viewers. The show is called Ask Foods. That's F-O-O-S. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Laura Foods. Good morning. There Good morning. Go. How are you? There, there she goes. There she goes. My girl. Direct Good morning. First of all, how's the family? How's mom doing? I got to say hi to mom because she believes in me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mom is doing great. Yes. Thank you for asking. Thank you for keeping her in your prayers. She's doing very well. Thank you. Okay. Now the, now the young one. Oh, who's going to college. Yes, we're getting ready for college. Graduation is a couple of weeks away. I'm surviving. <laughs> Great. Now, let's start that right there. Let's talk about it. Now, well, a, a child going to college, are there any tax opportunities that one could take advantage of when you have a child going to college? Yes. So there are tax advantages even when your babies are younger. There are a lot of saving college savings plans that you can write off on your taxes every year for when you are saving for them to actually go to college. So Mm -hmm. that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Second thing, there are three different educational credits that you can claim on your taxes once your children are in college, and they normally send you a 1098-T, which will tell you the numbers that you can claim on your taxes. So education, yes, does give you write-offs on your taxes. Now, that's important for people to understand that. Now, my daughter, she's in college now. And uh, I, I get that form, and I'm happy when I see it, because guess what? No matter how much money you make, you need write-offs. Always always remember that. Always look for an yes. opportunity to write something off. Now, yes. now, now you know, people are, are, are being organized. Receipts. Okay, you have, you have these end-of-the-year summaries. You have these monthly summaries. Is this, if you use your credit card 100% for your business, is it still mm-hmm. important to keep the receipts Yes. I mean, your bank statements, credit card statements certainly help keep you organized and help you create the summaries. Though if you are ever audited by the IRS, they are going to be looking for the actual receipts. Um, and, we, and they can even go back. There, so you're supposed to keep those receipts up to seven years, which is why I have started recommending to clients online apps that when you make the purchase for your business, you can take a picture of the receipt right then and there and store it, you know, in the cloud so it's online. Because a lot of times after several years, your receipts will, you know, begin to disappear as well. So I have been encouraging (laughs) people to be organized with using these online apps. It'll be right on your phone. You could be organized. Your receipts are there if you're ever um, audited. 
Um, but yes, credit cards and bank statements help because you should not you should not be mixing. The IRS does not want to see you mixing personal and business items anyway. They need to be completely separate. Now, I'm on the phone yes. with Foos Financial Services. She provides mm-hmm. tax and preparation service for individuals and small businesses all year long. She has a show that she does on her Instagram and Facebook page called Ask Foos. That's F-O-O-S. Tell us about that and why did you start it? Yes, well, I think I really started it, okay, because you kept going after me that we have to tell people and educate people. And I have been enjoying this show. I mean, we do have a good time on Tax Tips Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have a great time because a lot of questions come up. But unfortunately, taxes is, you know, people are so afraid of it because we don't talk about it. We don't educate people about it. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe that people are grown people with children and houses and businesses, and they really do not know how taxes work or where does the refund come from or why did I owe. So I really started it because I have the knowledge and I like to share the knowledge. And then in in return, I think by continuing to add value to people the same way you do with money-making conversations, Mm -hmm. then, then that helps my business grow because then people can see, okay, I kind of know a little bit about what I'm talking about, so instead of me using <laughs> some software trying to do it on my own, mm-hmm. let me ask mm-hmm. to help me with my taxes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we yes. can. So when so you, so I'm gonna ask you this because you brought up money making conversations. You know, how about making conversations, Facebook and Instagram? Can I share your broadcast on my money making conversation Facebook page? Yes, yes, because I do Adele, it always Adele, live on I Facebook. I want to share. So I want to share with him to fix. Yes, so we can figure out how to share them. I haven't figured out because Facebook Live has now changed their logarithms, mm-hmm. so we can't figure out how to get it from Facebook Live to you to my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, is what I would okay. prefer. She so we can always go She's back there just on my page. YouTube channel. I remember I met her. She was just, just she was just out there just by herself. Now she got YouTube channels, Instagram. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we talked in September when I just had to tell you how special you were and your vision and your ability to communicate has to be taken to. The, now, uh, are you uh, you sent me a video of you on appearing on one of the local TV shows. How, how, is, how is that part of your life growing and that part of public speaking, being able to talk about, your, you know, the world of Laura? How, tell me about yeah. that. OK. Um, yes. Yeah, so I just did recently um, Channel 9 News. So I shared tax tips on our local D.C. news. Um, And so certainly, of course, all of these things, you know, make me very nervous and I get anxious, even though I enjoy talking to you and I love it. But of course, I always have anxiety (laughs) and, you know, the talking and are you going to say the right thing? Um, But I think as as you continue to want to go to that next level, you you have to force yourself to be very uncomfortable. So I think over the past six months or even probably the past year working with you, I have continued to try to put myself in uncomfortable situations or in rooms that I would normally not go in because I was uncomfortable to be with those people. You know, I always wanted to be the star of the room. Mm -hmm. And now I'm learning... For me to grow and do better and be better, maybe I need to be in rooms where there's a lot of stars there and I want to grow to their level. Um, so with your encouragement, I am continuing to make myself be in fearful positions so that I'm overcoming those fears. So I think the more you do it, the better you get, the more comfortable you get, and realizing that everybody is human. So sometimes I am going to say, um, too many times. I'm going to stumble sometimes. And that's okay because As long as you don't say you know a bunch of times, we good. 
You can say, um, but okay. you know, you know. So you can't be in the tax you know. business and say, you know. <laughs> that's true, because I know you don't know, but I know. So that's why you need to call and ask Listen, Before we wrap up, let's talk about some of the uh, some of the tax filing mistakes that people make on a, on a regular basis that you encounter. Like you said, you are shocked that people aren't aware <laughs> and, you, and it feels it should be common sense. What are some of the tax filing mistakes? Well, the biggest mistakes is that the tax season deadline is tomorrow. Tomorrow is it. Tomorrow, April 17th at midnight. <laughs> Say it one more that time. Say it one more time. <laughs> tomorrow, Tuesday, April 17th at midnight. That is it. So that is the biggest mistake because they charge you a 5% penalty up to a 20% penalty every month that you file late. So if you are not ready, I know you're trying to avoid it. It's, taxes is not going to go away. So you might as well get over that part. It's not going to disappear. But if you cannot do it by tomorrow, you have got to file an extension, which will give you an automatic extension until April 15th. So we can avoid that late filing penalty. Now, if you owe, it does not, um, you're not pushing back that you know, the amount of money that you owe. Now, Laura, you, now you, said, now you said an extension, but you said April 15th. What, what, what is the correct day? When you file an extension, how far can that extension allow you to go to file your tax? I'm sorry. Yes, it'll give you an automatic extension till October 15th this year, 2018. Mm-hmm. So it's automatic, but you still have to apply for it. And if you do it, you could even go to irs.gov. You can inbox me. You can go to our website. You can fill out a brief form to file an extension. We'll get the extension filed for you. And that gives you a little bit longer to file. But you do not want to just not do anything because then you have that late filing penalty. Okay, cool. Okay, what if I'm a bad dude and say, you know something, I'm not filing my taxes. I'm tired of filing taxes. <laughs> What's going to happen to my foolish behind? <laughs> yes, what is going to happen is they're going to find you. They are going to hunt you down and they are going to find you and they're going to find where you work because your employer is still submitting W-2s in your name saying that they have paid you for the year. So they're going to find your job where you work. They will garnish your check. If they get a hold of your account numbers, they will go in your account and take your money. So do not play with the IRS. But they're very easy to work with. So if you communicate with them, even if you know you owe File on time, and then you can go right to irs.gov and do an IRS online payment agreement. So they're very friendly people. They want to work with you. They'll let you be on a payment plan. It's when you try to avoid them or ignore them or hide from them that it becomes a situation. Okay, cool. Hey, Laura, I got to go. Uh, the, the, my clock was wrong. Uh, I got to bring you back again. Um, we're going to share your, your show on Facebook, and we're going to keep winning. And that's just Laura Foos. Uh, She's located in the D.C. area. Um, She's a winner. Let me tell you about the host of Money Making Conversations, Rashawn McDonald. He's a social media influencer. 80% of his 700,000 plus social media followers are female. He's a two-time Emmy Award winner, three-time NAACP Image Award winner, sitcom writer, stand-up comic, former IBM executive, and has a degree in mathematics. More importantly, Rashawn McDonald will use his business and celebrity relationships to empower small businesses with information to succeed. Hey, this is Tasha Evans, and I love to eat at great restaurants. And more than that, 
I love great desserts. So does Rashawn McDonald. Check out his new website. That's www.rashawnmcdonald.com. That's R-U-S-H-I-O-N. And McDonald is spelled just like the famous restaurant chain. Guys, Rashawn is looking for great bakers for his baker spotlight. He wants to brag on his fans for their incredible baking skills on his social media and website. That can be your mom, friend, coworker, or relative. Spread the word today. Visit RashawnMcDonald.com. On the phone is a, is a star. Uh, I'm going to tell her she's a star because uh, I admire her talents. She can do dramedy. She can do comedy. And I cannot do either. I've tried that acting thing, and I realized that uh, I could tell jokes, but I can't act. My next guest was a series regular on one of my favorite shows on Stars, Survivor's Remorse, as the infamous M. Chuck, and portrayed Kevin Hart's ex-wife on uh, BET's fake reality series, The Real Husbands of Hollywood. She is now starring in a new series on BET, which I saw, the pilot, called In Contempt. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Erica Ash. Thank you so much. Well, I try to get it all out there, Erica. I try to get it all I out there. I love that know. you did that. Thank you, you know. for doing that. Well, you know, the thing about it is that you have a body of work. And I, I feel yeah. that that's, that's important and, uh, and you're still young. And I, I, I tell people yeah. all the time, and um, when I see a talent like you, um, did you ever do stand-up comedy? You know, it's interesting. I tried it and realized that it wasn't for me. It was a little bit too, um, it was a little, I just, I just, I didn't feel connected to the work. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, I, I, there are so many other things <laughs> that I feel far more connected to, like writing and acting. Okay, okay, you know, Erica, okay. Let, let's go and be yeah. real here now. Was it the yeah. silence in the audience that, 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 that made the disconnect? Because I'm a stand-up comic no, now. No, actually, I, I, you know, I was actually challenged to my very first stand-up okay. uh, uh, experience. And I was, I was told, don't go to the J-spot. Oh, J. Anthony Brown! You went on the J. Anthony Brown spot? I sure did. I sure did. And I told it's so funny. I was on Steve Harvey the other day, and I told him that I went. And he was like, yeah, I heard about you. So I went there because I was, you know, I thought, well, that sounds like a dare. Don't dare me. So I went to the J spot, and I actually got a standing ovation my first time. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that. And then, I, you know, I got, I think I maybe got one boo in all the times that I tried okay, to do Okay, one boo. That's good. That's good. Like Especially black people. one boo one time. Uh, yeah, and I and I tried all the tough ones. I didn't I didn't go the easy route. Like I was like, <laughs> let me just dive straight in. But it was just I don't know. It was just it was a bit like I felt I found the environment amongst the um, comedians backstage just a little bit too heavy. It is. It is very competitive and it's very um, jailhouse like. You know, because they, they peering yeah, through the bars, a, you yeah. know, looking at you, not yeah. really supporting you. It's really an environment where, is especially for females. And I and I gotta just say this because exactly. I, you know, I, I I've been doing stand up comedy since 1981. Uh, Steve Harvey and I and Jay the Bro, we all we all good friends. So you 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 throwing out names that I'm very familiar with in the stand up comedy mm-hmm. industry, and also legends in the stand up comedy mm-hmm. industry. Is that the female, you, you, if you're back there, you, you're not going to be respected. If you're an attractive female like you, they, you're going to want to get hit on. They're going to want to hit on you. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's just so much pressure you have to deal with. And all you just want to do there is just work on your craft. Can I just be funny? Yeah. Can I just be funny? Yeah. Okay, thank you. I got, I got that. And I think <laughs> the final straw for me was when someone came and told me, if you want people to laugh at your jokes, you, 
you can't be pretty. You need to, you I know, know, dumb it down. And I was like, oh, no, you, you have to let me be great. <laughs> you got to come out there with your hair scattered. You know what I'm saying? Your hair got to be scattered, yeah, you know. you need to look like a crack whore. It's you're, fine. No, and no, then no, they'll laugh at me. <laughs> they laugh at crack whore. No. You know, cause I, but I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. There are people who have done it and done it successfully, like, you know, Tiffany Haddish, of course, and more. Right. You know, just like like beautiful women who have who have, and there's several others. I'm just not, you know, I know two no, off the top of my head. But no, it's, 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 just, it's, it's no, it's no problem when me. you say that because I I know what exactly what you're dealing with when that world. Now let's talk about you know let's talk about your the, what I thought was your it was the the. the the role of a lifetime for you at that point, you've done a lot of different things, was M. Chuck on the, on the uh, yeah. show Stars, Survivor's Remorse. Because I just want to let everybody know, because a lot of people may not recognize that name, but they need to know they recognize you from those commercials because you were very physically active, you was an aggressive c- character, you was an independent character. Tell me what you loved about that character before we move on to your next projects. I just loved how, how comfortable she was with who she was and how free <laughs> she was to speak on all the things that she thought. You know, a lot of people are sort of restricted by their by their class. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm one of them. I grew up very um, sort of uh, in, in a strict household with a mother who was very conservative. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I'm a double PK, two, two preacher parents. So <laughs> wow. I sort of had to watch what I said and watch what I did and, the you know, I was always told, like, the world is watching you. You better be careful. And, mm-hmm. you know, M. Chuck is just, she was a different energy. She was so fresh and free. And, like, she would say things and then she'd think about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I like this. And so I would, I, I would embody that fully when I played her. And sometimes when I didn't. <laughs> so, she, you know, she freed, she freed me up a little bit to Absolutely. just kind of be a bit more, you know, mouthy and, and you know. Well, let's, you know, when you went to the when you went to that graveyard, you know, when your graveyard scene, you know, that was the that was the moment for me, you know. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. That <laughs> was a, that was a moment for me too. It was cold <laughs> as hell out there. It was cold. I was like, wait, you really want me to actually like pull my pants down and, and go to the bathroom out here? <laughs> yes. Let me tell yes, y'all something. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We're gonna but, do it together as a group. So when y'all that, say take another take, another take, y'all realize how I cold love you did that. that. I love you did yes. that. I love you did yes. that. That's everybody, an M. Chuck everybody move. Everybody pulling their pants down today. That's an M. Chuck <laughs> move. If I, if that's that's I love that. Now let's talk about the. Yeah. Uh, the fact that you know we want you know we want to talk about your, your experience in working with Kevin Hart, you know basically mm-hmm. an improvisational show, and you know you know we want mm-hmm. to go back a little bit because Mad TV was your I want to say your entry into television and your first big break. Can I say that Mad TV? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, now so you Mad TV you know scripted. You was a writer. Uh, then you go to you know, now you have this amazing opportunity with Kevin Hart on a. Basically, show where improv plays a lot. Were there any fears, or you just say, "Hey, I'm going for it"? What were your thoughts on no, that? No, because that, I mean, comedy comedy is my default as a person. Like mm-hmm. Erica, like I, you know, I, I love making jokes and being funny, and I'm and I'm very quick witted. I am. I'm always, you know, clapping back and popping off at the mouth. And so <laughs> you do when much. I get with somebody like Kevin, that's just like, let's go play in the sandbox, you know. And right. So we. We, it was a fully scripted show. It, right. it, it was not 
meant to be improv, but you know, you get all those funny guys together. That's like what Jay-Z I'm saying. Bloom you know, and, Erica. You know, Nick there Cannon. Was some moments. It's not going to not happen. There you go. There you go. And then you had to be ready, going that line. What what you were supposed to say? You couldn't just look at them exactly. like you off script. No, you had to roll with it, and that's why I enjoyed See, watching. I'm you also competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm competitive. I'm not gonna let y'all. I'm not gonna let y'all clap, clap, <laughs> clap, 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 and I don't pop, 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 pop back. You know what I mean? So I love it. I love it. I was like, cool. Yeah, Iron Sharpens Iron, and that was the best, best comedy chop cast ever. Now let's talk about uh, the new show in contempt that's going to yeah. take us into the next break. But I just want to yeah. set the stage for how great you are as a comedian, uh, the greats that you work with, your daringness, and it comes is. I'll have to ask this question: Is in contempt? Is that a dramedy or a drama? You know. It, we have we have yet to to officially <laughs> categorize it, but I've heard I've heard dramedy, uh, yeah, I've heard dramedy the most, and that's just because people, um, you know, I can't do anything and not add bring some comedy know, to it. I know, that's just, that's I, know, who I, am, I know, you know, I know, I know. So if it's if it's if it's something super serious, there have to be moments of levity because you know I I'm. I'm I just don't believe that life is that. I don't believe that life is all serious and, and you know, heavy and sad and, you know, we got to work and we got, we got to get out of here. You know what I mean? We have to really, we have to find those moments of levity in order to keep our sanity. And I'm happy to be the one to bring it. Well, the interesting thing about it, because I know they're not writing. This is a drama. That's, that's why they asked you that, because I know, you know, when, you, when, when, when it was pitched, you know, it was pitched yeah. as a drama. But you're just yeah. so naturally, and your co-stars are just aligning themselves right with your with your actions, which is really really yeah. cool, which is really really entertaining. So before we leave for this break, quickly tell everybody exactly what Incontempt is. Well, Incontempt is a one-hour uh, law procedural. It's the first of its kind on BET. So I'm mm-hmm. glad that they're you know they're taking such huge risks. Um, but it's from the perspective of the public defender, whereas most that you will see, like Law and Order, from the perspective of the district attorney. So my character, Gwen Sullivan, is, you know, a very headstrong, mm-hmm. a very, very determined and passionate public defender who is willing to do anything to get her client to fair shake. Let's break down yeah. some of your characters so that a really rather uh, emotionally charged scene you have with your father in the restaurant played by the amazing Richard Lawson. You don't yes, have a really a relationship. Who officially made me and Beyonce's sisters. Absolutely, Continue. which is awesome. Which is awesome. <laughs> you know, she just did uh, Coachella, where she headlined first yes, black woman ever to headline Coachella. So she's amazing. Ah, you know, love her the, so the, the great things about you is that uh, in this in this show, like I said, the one hour drama that's on BET in contempt. It's a drama, but your natural talent seems to be able to pull comedy moments. Tell, tell us about the characters on the show and what excites you about the series. Well, the thing that I'm most excited about is that it's something that you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've got a great, great cast. I mean, Richard Lawson, as you just mentioned, plays my father. Um, we have Christian Keyes, Megan Hutchins, Muna Traore, Ronnie Rowe Jr. Um, and everyone is really, really committed to making sure this story gets told authentically. Um, our showrunner was a public defender in New York for a number of years, and mm-hmm. so she lends that to the script. When I read the script, it was a, a total page-turner. So that's the first thing that attracted me. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that our characters are real and they're relatable. You know, mm-hmm. they do this awesome job, mm-hmm. but they have the same issues that everybody else has in, 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 in their jobs and in their lives. You know, like 
Gwen has a shopping addiction. She's right. also addicted to flame bolts, and mm-hmm. she's a G. She's got two lovers. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. notice mm-hmm. I said a G. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, <laughs> and <laughs> something I would love to adopt from Gwen, because my game is like flatlining. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got, you know, she, she likes to box, and, and they have their inner office yeah. situation well your office is in a closet your office is in a closet that's where you operate out of correct? well actually technically my office is not in a closet but which you'll you'll probably see um on it, tomorrow's okay. episode okay great okay, but that's great. kind of my that's my war room okay cool mm-hmm. great yeah. now one so character i, I do like and i don't know her name is the young lady who was at this uh large uh firm and now she's coming over here. I really liked her character. I really is she is she is she's going to be a serious regular that that character. Muna, yes, mm-hmm. love her character because yes, it's, she is because yeah. it's, a, it's a very honest character where she has chosen to come into a field that doesn't have the same uh, tools that can help you win. And so you right. basically like basically uh, it put in the position just to get to the next case or to get, get these people in the position to be able to sustain some type of life and uh and, and win with and I, I feel that that's the that's the biggest thing that came out of the public defenders that these people are walking into situations where they cannot win right or it's like walking into a battle royale with like one hand tied behind your back it's like go you know it's just it's not it's not a great situation and it makes you realize mm-hmm. how underappreciated public defenders are mm-hmm. i think next to teachers they're one of the most underappreciated in the country you know career choices and um, it's, just, it's, it's important that we support them because they don't get – they're under-resourced, they're understaffed, they're right. underfunded. Right. And even information-wise, they're not even required by law to get the information at the same time as the district attorneys. Mm-hmm. You know, the police work with the district attorneys, and so obviously it, 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 it behooves them to give the district attorney as much of a leg up as possible so they can justify it when a crooked cop makes a bad arrest or mm-hmm. – Someone makes a mm-hmm. bad ID, and you know because which was one, in the pilot episode was a bad ID about that young man. Absolutely, who when you walk to him, you say plead out, plead out, and he refused to plead out. And they, yeah, and I, that, you know the thing about it that I like about the show is that you know it has layers. It has layers for you as a yeah. single woman. It has layers for you emotionally dealing with cases that you're passionate about, and a case in that situation you was about to walk away and just say plead out. And you look yeah. at this young man and go, okay, look, uh, let's go for it. Let's go for it. And it, yeah, it, it, and a lot of times that's what happens because they're, 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 they're so backlogged in the court system, mm-hmm. you know, um, these new laws to try to expedite things even more just frustrate me to no end because I'm like, the court system's already backlogged. That's mm-hmm. the reason why the jail cells are so full. Right. People can't afford these bails, you right. know. Right. Um, and so they, you know, they have to await their trials there for, you know, days, weeks, years, even Khalif Broder, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then they end up serving time, doing time for the crime that they haven't even been convicted of. Now, when you do a show like so, this, you do a show like this in mm-hmm. contempt, you know, because I felt that the uh, character you played, M. Chuck, was an emotionally charged character. And I feel this, the character you played on this show is an emotionally charged character. And. Mm-hmm. What is your biggest walk away when you when you when you uh, accept a role or or you or you audition for a role? What are you trying to accomplish on the screen or film? Right. Well, first of all, I want my characters to have some sort of growth, some sort of um, um, evolution, mm-hmm. right? And if I can see them going there, 
It doesn't have to be fully, you know, in the first season or the first, you know, few ep- episodes. But I need to know that they're on the path to something, like us being better somehow. Right. Because I, I like to use every character in some way to motivate someone, right? I love to speak to people. I love to speak to young girls. I love to speak to young men um, and, and, and talk about, you know, their life and their choices. And so when I have a character that I can kind of use to support that and right. back that up, mm-hmm. that's, you know, I, I find that that's a win. That's a win for everybody. They're entertained, but they're learning something. You know, it's something that I can be proud of. When I have kids one day, I can, you know, I, I'll have a body of work that I'll be able to share with them and not be like, but don't look at this because mommy was in a bad space when she did this. You know what I mean? <laughs> cool. So now, let's talk yeah. about uh, the, the situation that what I want to talk about is this next upcoming movie that's coming out this summer. Uncle yes, Drew, sir. That's right in your yeah. comedy lane. That's right in your comedy lane. You know, I can't throw it all away now. I got to. I got to keep some of it. I got to keep that comedy. That comedy leg going. No, I, I, like, I, I got my boy Lil Real in it. That's one of the stars uh-huh. from Get Out. If you don't know who he is, he played the security guy, the TSA agent, and then Get Out. Very funny young man who's really who's rising. Tell us a little bit about your character before we get out of here, and I also remind everybody: In Contempt, it's on BET. She's starring in it, and I'm talking to Erica Ash. <clears throat> so, um, Uncle Drew is a story of. Uh, Lil Rel, who wants to uh, be at the Rucker. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he basically takes the last bit of money that he has and wants to, wants to be a coach of, at the Rucker Park because he just knows he can win. Um, his, his team ends up falling apart, and he's got to put together a, a, a new team, and it's kind of last minute. He doesn't have a lot of time. He hears about Uncle Drew, who is like this, you know, legend at first, right. this tall tale, he right. thinks. And then right. he meets him in person and realizes, wow, this guy's really good. So, you know, we road trip and travel around to try Doing to get thing. the whole team together. Yeah. Erica, thank you. Yeah. I hope it was amazing. It was an amazing interview for me. Keep winning. I'm a fan. You can see her. BET in contempt. The star, Erica Ash. We'll be back with more. You need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon earbuds start off at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no dangling wires or stems. And of course, they don't just look great, they sound great too. And they're perfect for listening to all your favorite iHeartRadio podcasts on the go. So go to buyraycon.com iHeart to get 20% off your order. That's buyraycon.com iHeart for 20% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. One more time, buyraycon.com slash iHeart.